the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello and welcome to The Career Confidant and we're excited to have you here today and today we're going to be talking about how you can think about passion in your career and your business differently. So we are going to, um, we're going to be talking with Christopher Volk. So Christopher Volk is an entrepreneur and the author of The Value Equation, a business guide to creating wealth for entrepreneurs, investors, and leaders. I love that. And so you have been a chief executive officer, you've been a founding officer. You've done all the things in entrepreneurship. As you say, you've won a lot of awards for being a successful entrepreneur. But now you're talking to people about passion and how passion plays a role in that. So tell us a little bit about why you say that passion isn't a prerequisite for starting a business or a certain career. No, and and Maria, it's a delight to be here too. yeah, I mean, if you ask if you ask people that are later in their careers and you find successful people that have uh, accomplished a great deal, and if you ask them um, to go back to their younger selves um, and tell them what they were doing with themselves, you know, um, uh, their younger selves would be probably clueless, you know. So uh, my my career was centered in finance, uh, and I was. Uh, for most of that career, providing capital for uh, real estate that middle market companies use every day in their businesses. So think about chain restaurants or veterinary clinics or uh, you know fitness clubs and that kind of thing. So I was working on thousands and thousands of uh, companies uh, and thousands and thousands of properties across the United States. If if you had said to me uh, as I was a young person starting my career. You know, your passion's really going to be uh, providing, uh, you know, restaurant financing or real estate financing for uh, uh, entrepreneurs and middle market companies. I would have been just uh, astonished. I mean, I would have been astounded that I would uh, find a passion in that. And and so I think that what happens with people's careers and sometimes successful business people will say, you know, follow your passion. But I think that the most important thing is really to find out what you're good at um, and uh, and to take those skills and harness them. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell would say that it's good to spend about 10,000 hours uh, getting really good at something. And, uh, and I think that's probably what it takes. And you just become good at it. And if you become good, then what happens is that people start asking you for help. I mean, you become an expert. I mean, you become someone who can solve people's problems. And I think, you know, who doesn't want to solve a problem for somebody? I think all of us just feel better about ourselves and we can feel like we're making a contribution. And uh, and so the, the long and short of it is that uh, over your career, basically passion finds you. I mean, and uh, and it starts with being very good at the things you do. So I'm interested in how your um, how you figured out what you were good at, or how do you see other people figuring out what they're good at? Because sometimes that can be challenging for people too to figure out what they're good at. Right. You know, and and people also confuse passions with interests. Right. So um, you may have an interest in. Um, uh, you may have an interest in renewable uh, uh, resources or uh, conservation or uh, saving wildlife or something like that. They, the, but the thing is that, that oftentimes those interests don't really translate into what people do for a living and what they do with their lives. And, um, uh, and finding out what you're good at is, there's probably a little bit of luck in that, but uh, it involves just trying a lot of different things as you're growing up. I mean, both in high school, college, um, after college internships, um, early jobs, finding out where your skills are, and and then trying to think about what kinds of companies really value those skills. I mean, where can those skills be uh, really used? And uh, and trying to align those skills with a career. <laughs> Right, and we oftentimes maybe don't get an opportunity to try some of those skills anymore because people aren't getting jobs in in their youth. 
um, you know, to be fair, I know sometimes people say, oh, it's because they don't want to, but the way that the economy has been going, a lot of those jobs were eliminated. Now they're back, but they're maybe not um, very flexible. They don't pay very well, all those things. So we find that young people aren't getting jobs at the rate that they were. And so they're not learning some of those skills, which is a, is a, hard thing because as you're saying that's how you figure out what you're good at is going out there and doing something right well my story is is sort of interesting in that respect because when i graduated from college i graduated in 1979 and uh and for those who are uh my age and who remember 1979 it was not a good year to graduate from college uh it was in the middle of a recession there was stagflation about a year later, uh, interest rates were so high that the prime rate, uh, the bank, the, the rate that banks lend money out at was 21%. And uh, and so it was a dreadfully awful time to be looking for a job. And for me in particular, it was more difficult than for most because I had a degree in European history and French. So my, my double majors were uh, in the in the liberal arts. And, uh, and so I literally wrote uh, 300 uh, letters to different companies. I mean, uh, perhaps more than that. It sent resumes out. Uh, there was no internet back then. You had to do everything in person. Uh, and uh, and got basically 300 rejection letters, which I probably still have somewhere in a box <laughs> to, to kind of remind me that I'm not all that great and really uh, the jobs don't fall off trees and uh, we should be grateful for, for the kinds of employment we get. But um, anyway, so I got tons and tons of rejection letters uh and in a way the irony was that the best thing that happened to me was getting all those rejection letters because i was able to sit back and think about really what i wanted to do to start my life and i decided i knew nothing about business i was most likely going to end up in business but i just knew nothing about it and so i was thinking where could i start a career in business that wouldn't put me in a place where I had to stay there for a long time. I could move back and forth and I could find out what I wanted to do. I mean, it was just sort of about putting a, a stake in the ground and saying, let me just start right here and I can learn a lot from this particular job. And uh, I decided that what I was gonna do was I was gonna get a job in a bank, in a commercial bank, uh, which is something as a European history and French double major, I just never thought that I was gonna do that. But anyway, I, so I decided I was gonna get a job in a bank, but no bank would hire me. I, I had no uh, uh, skill sets. I hadn't had internships that would lend themselves to that kind of a job. So I started taking night classes at uh, Georgia State University, which is in Atlanta, which we were we were living at the time. And uh, and I'd taken a few of those. And, and uh, by that time, I was able to convince people in banking that I really was serious. I wanted to do this. And so I, I got that job and stayed there six years. But in the course of that six years, I saw really hundreds and maybe thousands of businesses uh, in all walks of life where I had a chance to say, well, do I like banking or do, do I like this other thing? And, and I also had a chance to start to learn things that I was good at. And, uh, uh, and I found surprisingly that I liked finance. I, had, I hadn't taken a single business class in, in college uh, and certainly not a finance class. And I found out that I was pretty decent at this. And, uh, and I was a pretty good abstract thinker, which means that you're able to sort of stand up above everything and think about solutions to stuff. And I think that, by the way, having a history degree sort of helps you on that. Uh, so it help, teaches you how to think a little bit. Um, and uh, and so I ended up leaving the bank and, and finding a job with a financial services company in Arizona that I liked and was a customer of mine. And um, But one thing led to another, led to another. And I think that's what you have to do. And if I had not been turned down by 300 companies, I probably would have taken any of those jobs. I mean, I was, I was at this point where I was almost desperate. And, uh, uh, and uh, gratefully for me, I was able to take, you know, find a job that would give me the flexibility to do just about anything. And that's what I did. Yeah. Well, that, that just that idea that where you start has some meaning. You found a job where you could explore, where you were in business, which had that direction, kind of fit with that interest piece. But your purpose for showing up there every day wasn't necessarily because you loved banking. Your purpose for showing up there every day was kind of exploratory. What am I going to learn? Where can I do this help me figure out that I want to go to? And I think we underplay the importance of that curiosity 
purpose. We think, oh, find your purpose. You know, what are you meant to do in this life? It's like, well, sometimes you just show up with the purpose of learning or the purpose of using this as a place to figure it out. And that's that can be a purpose. And we we might not know our big P purpose yet, but that doesn't mean that we can't show up at that job with a purpose. And because you had that purpose of why you were showing up there, then you were able to use that job and to probably be fulfilled in some way because you were learning, you were figuring things out and you were learning about yourself. So I love that because it just shows how things evolve and we don't know the answer yet when we get there. And that a lot of times no. the answer is something that you would never have thought of, um, which makes career exploration a little bit more difficult. I think the other thing, too, that's really, really important for people earlier on in their careers is to decide whether they want to rise to leadership or not. And um, uh, because if you make that decision, it guides a lot of the things that you're going to do. So uh, in any kind of a business, leaders have a tendency to come from certain areas. Um, uh, so, for example, if you're in commercial banks, you know, no president of the bank comes in through the marketing department, for example. I mean, they're going to come in through um, most likely lending money to businesses. And um, uh, you're probably not going to get there through the trust department. I mean, there's certain areas you're not going to get there through. And so uh, and I'm sure the same is true for any business. So you, you look at businesses and you find out what kinds of uh, broad knowledge bases do leaders tend to have and where do they tend to come from? And uh, and so I made that decision even when I went to work for the bank that, uh, you know, what's it take to be president of this thing? <laughs> what do I have to do to learn to, to get into leadership on the off chance that maybe I would stay in banking for my whole career? I mean, who knows? Who knows? You know, so, um, and, uh, and that caused me to get a, a master's degree in business at night. It caused me to uh, direct my career to certain areas of the bank, which I thought were more central to what banks are all about, uh, which was namely uh, commercial lending and looking at at businesses and providing businesses uh, financial services, and uh, and then understanding our customers. I mean, understanding what makes a good business from a not so good business, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, and so I directed my career early on to be able to do that. And if I had not decided to be in leadership, I was just looking for something that interested me. You know, um, then I might not have done that. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I think we'll dive deeper into that as we talk about the questions that people will be asking themselves when they're choosing their business or their career. And then how do they determine um, kind of making that career decision business versus starting a business versus working at a small or large business. So we'll be right back in just a few minutes and continue talking with Christopher Volk about how you can get where you want to go in your career, but it might not be aligned with your passion at the beginning. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Well, we have been having some fun here with Christopher Volk, the author of The Value Equation, where he talks about how to create wealth. But we've been talking about maybe a different kind of wealth, which is career satisfaction and how we help people find that. And you were just sharing that one of the important questions that people should ask themselves when they get started in their career is, you know, do they want to be a leader or not? What are some of the other important questions that people ask themselves when they're starting a business path? Well, for me, one of the questions became whether I wanted to work for a big company or a small company. And the reason that's important is because um, navigating through larger companies just takes a different set of skills than navigating through smaller companies. Uh, and I, and those skills uh, uh you, there's, a, there's definitely a big premium on, on interpersonal skills. Um, I was concerned, for example, at the bank, and we had a thousand employees, so it was a small bank at the time. But you know, banks today are many, many thousands of employees, and and so if you were to rise to leadership in that bank, uh, there'll be a lot of other people just like you that maybe have the same kind of skill sets, and um, and perhaps if you don't have the right mix of interpersonal skills and you're not the right place at the right time. Um, uh, it's uh, rising into leadership might be difficult. Uh, and so I thought that I had a better chance of just being in a smaller business where I could have a pretty loud voice, uh, relatively speaking, in a smaller business, and I could see the fruits of my work, uh, which is sometimes hard to see in a, in a very big business. Um, and um, uh, and I never regretted that for a minute. And, and in fact, actually, our first company, uh, we grew it to about 200 and 50 people. And at the time we were on the New York Stock Exchange. So I took it public uh, uh, in uh, 1994. And in 2001, we sold it to GE. It was the last company that, that the iconic leader, Jack Walsh, bought uh, when he was uh, CEO of GE, GE Corporate. And so I went from a company having 250 employees to being part of an organization with 300,000 plus employees. And um, absolutely just was miserable. I mean, uh, and and felt that uh, uh, there was no way I could really function in that organization. And so uh, 18 months later, I was gone and, and I started my first business. Yeah. Well, and that their large businesses can provide more structure for people that, that want more structure. They can give you an opportunity to really be specialized if you want to focus in on one specific area. So there are those benefits to the large company. And then, as you said, if you want more diversity, if you want maybe some more uh, mobility, although I've seen that backfire on people in small companies when nobody's leaving and the company's not growing, then it, there can be a lack of mobility in a small company so you got to be careful with your research there and but there obviously can be more opportunity to be wearing many hats in a small company whereas in a large company you do get more specialized so people have to know what's really going to fit for you right or experiment right. And i mean going to large there, company there a lot a of company. yeah for sure there were a lot of pluses to being in an organization like ge i mean you could be working all over the world uh and people would uh uh, bounce from country to country and, and uh, had really satisfying careers doing all kinds of stuff. Um, and uh, on the other hand, if you're working for a small company, you're less likely to do that, but you're also more likely to be part of a community. So if that's important to you. Uh, for example, you know, uh, we, I settled in Phoenix, Arizona and uh, did a lot of community work when I was in Phoenix, Arizona and uh, became kind of embedded in the community, which is something that's much harder to do when you're working for a big company and you're getting transferred from spot to spot. Yeah. So one of the other questions that you ask is, do you want to own your own business or not? How did you know that starting your own business was the right fit for you? Um, I'm not sure that anybody knows it's the right fit for them. Uh, I think that <laughs> for a lot of us who start businesses, it's a bucket list item. I mean, uh, you get to this point in your career where you realize you could do it. I, I uh, got to this point where we had uh, created a pretty phenomenal business. We had sold it to GE Capital. I 
had a pretty deep Rolodex of lots of people in, um, uh, in corporate finance and in New York City. And I had lots of uh, sources of in- investors that I could tap uh, into if we wanted to start a business. Um, and I thought, you know, if I don't do this now, I will look back on my career at some point in time and say, you know, you should have done this. I mean, you should have tried this. Uh, and I would, I think it's, uh, you know, I've always tried to sort of uh, uh, live my life not only doing what I like to do, but also being mindful that we're here for a short time and you want to be able to try as much stuff as you can. And, and starting with a business was just one of those things on my list that I really wanted to try. And um, and uh, at the time I had this job offer that was a lovely job offer would require me to move my family from Chicago, you know, to Chicago from Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, I decided I would rather make less money in Phoenix and start a business and more money in Chicago and, and work for a bigger organization. And so um, and, and the great news was I actually ended up making more money. <laughs> uh, so the company did very well. Yeah. And it, like you said, it, it's not a, well, I think maybe there are some people that grow up thinking, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Um, but for most people, it just kind of evolves out of either necessity, not wanting to move or out of uh, maybe curiosity. Um, my colleague always said, Marie, you were passed over and pissed off because I started <laughs> my business because I was applying to college, university, career services positions. One of them, I got an interview, but it was going to require me to move and my husband of course just got a new job like that month and so it was like nope we're not moving um and i kept not getting the job on the campus i was at and so i thought well this is the work i want to do i'm i guess i'm leaving the university because this is what i'm going to do and so it i guess maybe was more of a passion although i would have never thought that doing career work was going to be my passion it evolved as you said earlier out of learning that that those were some of the things i was good at so it's interesting to see how it evolves. Right. I mean, and I, I ended up starting a company, having many of the same people that I was in my prior business join me into this business um, and um, uh, growing it, taking it public on the New York Stock Exchange, as we did with our first company, uh, and uh, ultimately selling it. Uh, and uh, and then later on, I would go to start a third company, also take it on the New York Stock Exchange with a lot of the same people. And so uh, in a way, I've had... You know the job at the bank and then i moved to arizona and i've had these series of jobs in arizona but a lot of the people i worked with were the same through throughout all of it which made it sort of feel like one business and uh, uh but we found things that we were good at and uh we enjoyed doing it and we made a difference for a lot of businesses and when you start a company you're also making difference for a lot of employees i mean you're starting a company from scratch so you're creating jobs for people from from nothing that wouldn't have existed without you. And uh, and so what better feeling is it is there than that when you can start a business and you can create jobs for people that are terrific jobs. And and uh, uh, and so we created a lot of terrific jobs for people. And then we uh, provided capital to all these middle market growing companies that benefit from that. And we created lots of successful businessmen or we helped create successful businesses um, uh, that we work with. So in that sense, I was getting a lot of uh, positive feedback, both working with people and creating jobs for them and uh, but having my stakeholder customers also being able to help them and provide solutions and you know, going to work, if you can do that, going to work starts becoming like going to camp or something. <laughs> you just have a good time right. uh, being able to do that. Yeah. Well, there's one last question. And this I'm excited to hear the answer to. <laughs> so what is the most reliable path to job satisfaction? Um, well, I think our careers all end up being about wanting to make a difference for other people, you know, and um, uh, and I think that uh, being able to contribute to other people and, you know, we try to leave the world better than when we let we got into it and um, and. You know, that's the kind of stuff that makes you feel good if you know how you help people and you basically help people one at a time i mean you accumulate a lifetime of people that you've helped and and uh uh and so i think that that's it and the, and then the thing is that how you help people is always solving problems the the path to leadership is always the given to the people that know how to solve problems and um uh and Solving problems doesn't happen unless you start getting good at something and you start becoming an expert at it and you become a resource for people and then you can solve problems for them and uh, uh, and make a difference for them and their families. And, and, uh, and I think that's really 
going to create a passion for anybody. I mean, most people, most of us are passionate about trying to do that. And, and, uh, and if we can have a job that allows us to do that, then, and then, then we become passionate about our jobs in, in turn. Excellent. Well, I tell people how they can get a hold of you, Christopher, how can they find the book? Well, you can go to the www.thevalueequation.com. It's a book about how businesses create wealth. It's maybe the only book ever written about this. So I learned early on that some businesses are just flat better than other businesses. And so if you're looking at um, the Forbes 400 list, for example, all those people made their money in business and probably two thirds of millionaires in the United States made their money either in, you know, starting a business or being uh, an owner of a business. And, um, uh, and so uh, what separates the best businesses from the uh, uh, average businesses is what you can learn from the book. Um, there is some book, some uh, material in there also about uh, corporate cultures and, and uh, uh, core competencies that companies have to work on and what's important and whatnot. And um, uh, but it's uh, stuff that uh, I use throughout my career, and I disclose it as a public company CEO, and think it's valuable and think it's a easier way to teach people business. So. Excellent. So the value equation, as you said, it's how how businesses generate wealth. Well, I really appreciated you sharing your insights with us here today, Christopher. We are going to say goodbye to Christopher and we'll take a short break here on The Career Confidant. And I'm going to come back and talk a little bit more about how this might apply to you. And if you're uh, career services, especially if you're working with women, I think this is something we have to be careful of. So we're going to come back and unpack that a little bit. Thank you so much, Christopher. And we'll We'll be right back here on The Career Confidant. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Say It Skillfully is my radio show about being who you are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. I'll help you find the right words to tackle any challenging conversation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. You'll learn how to achieve success on your terms and be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in your life. Check out SayItSkillfully.com for practical resources, including my 90-second videos, real-life examples showing you how to speak up skillfully. I invite you to call in with your questions. Join me live every Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. And no, I'm cheering for you. tuned in to the career confidant with marie zimanoff if you have a question or comment for marie or her guest today please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you may also send an email to marie at strategicadvantage.com. now back to the career confidant Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we were talking with Christopher Volk about the role of passion in careers and career choice. So here's one of the things that I think we see a lot is confusing interest and passion and also confusing the role of passion in career choice. So when you think about interest versus passions, are what are you interested in? That might be, you know, an industry interested in business, interested in, you know, I don't know what it might be, recreation. I'm interested in something. 
then you think about is that something that we want to do with our career or not because I'm interested in sports I love sports we watch sports a lot that's great but that doesn't mean that that's what I want to do with my career and so when we confuse interests and passions and and jobs that can get to people placed where they're maybe not going to be successful maybe because it doesn't align with their skills or they really don't have the background to do that job for instance most successful people in the sports world were college athletes at some level that's not me, right? Or they have connections of some kind. I'm from a very small town, no connections, right? So you're thinking about what does the success look like in that world? And that is just a piece, what I'm interested in, what I'm passionate about. That's just one piece of the puzzle. We also want to think about what am I good at? That's the skill piece. What am I actually good at? What do I want to do for work? What do I want to do every day? And that's a whole nother piece of how do I decide what I do for work? Now, what I love about this is that when we do career work, so if, if you're working with a career services provider or, or you, you might want to, we really look at all the different pieces. What are you good at? What do you want to do? What skills do you like to use? What are you interested in? And then what types of people might you want to work with? What types of problems might you want to solve? Those kind of all fit into that interests or fascinations kind of place. And then, of course, your values. What do you want work to do for you, to do for your life? And how, do that, how does that factor into it? So there's an interesting article posted recently about research that shows women tend to choose careers that are stereotypical women careers when they follow their passion. And men tend to go into stereotypically men careers when they follow their passion. This is interesting because we, if we don't think about it, we may end up putting ourselves in not only just gender stereotyped roles, but also roles that tend to have limitations. So let's think of an example, a simple example here, very simplified example. But if you were to ask a woman, you know, what it, what is your passion? She might say helping others. And so based on that passion, what do we think we could become? Very stereotypical gender biased answers teacher, nurse, etc., many of which don't pay very well. Well, I was just talking to Christopher Volk, and if you missed his interview on the first part of the Career Confidant, go back and check out the interview. I'll drop the link here. Because in that interview, he talked about how his passion for helping others was lived out every day when he was helping businesses get financing. So he's helping small businesses get financing, and he felt like he was helping people every day. You see how like non-stereotypical that is. Even though his passion was the same, he wasn't just driven by the passion to help people when he was choosing careers. So he was looking broader, thinking broader when he made his decision. If we help people think about all of the different items, their interests, their passions, of course, but also their skills and their values, and how are they going to want to work? When we put that all together, we're going to help create a more rounded decision than if we focus too much on any one element, whether that's skills or aptitudes. I mean, you could take an aptitude test, it will tell you what you'll be best at, but that is just one factor. And even if you went and got that job, you may or may not be good at it, and then you may or may not be interested in working in that way, or you may or may not end up in the right place to do that kind of job because all of it is so much more multifaceted than just one thing. So when we're thinking about making our career choices, looking a little bit broader and thinking about all the different ways that we might define those drivers, define those motivators so that we can put them together and then make a better decision, make a decision that takes more of that into account. Um, also once worked with a gentleman who had been a, uh, he'd been an appraiser and he'd been making pretty good money at that. And then the economy shifted and appraise, appraising, house appraising was not in demand anymore. And so he was looking for a job where he could make good money. That's great, right? That's a value, it's a driver. So we had, had that in mind, and then we looked at the other things. What was he interested in? What did he like to do? What was his skill set? 
And it's interesting because his family had said, why don't you become a teacher? Why don't you do these kind of more helper things? Because they saw those helper skills and values in him. But he had that driver of wanting to make money. And how can we find a thing that does both, right? So he actually ended up going into HR technology kind of in the medical field. So now he's helping people. He's doing technology. So he's making more money. And he was in that setting where it was all about helping people in the healthcare field. So he was able to meet all of those criteria, his interests, his values, his skill set. Uh, he had to go back to get the skills to become in the technology, but he wanted to and he liked it and he was good at it. So when we look at it in a more holistic picture, we can oftentimes make better decisions. And I had really never thought about the implications of this kind of follow your passion piece, especially on gender inequality. But when I looked at it, it completely makes sense because when you think about follow your passion, if you don't have any other criteria set for that, that's oftentimes going to be actually a reflection of just what you know, or perhaps even what is valued in your family. I mean, how do we decide what our passion is, right? It's it, to me would be a very sociologically created construct, which when you are, you know, especially a woman is going to have a lot of those social, social boundaries, those false social boundaries around it. And so then you're making a choice that feels like it's aligned with your passion, but it actually is perhaps a maybe not actually that authentic created to your passion or a passion about what you do know, <laughs> what you do have the, um, the, you know, you do have a construct for, but that's not necessarily even the best choice for you. And based on this research, very frequently limiting, especially when it comes to perhaps income and uh, the ability to increase your income or to have uh, advancement opportunities. So as especially those of us in the careers field, this is a really important piece to think about. And when we're helping people with their careers, we may overfocus on that passion piece because a lot of us believe that that's really important. But remember that that is just a moment in time and where did we decide that? Where did we get that passion from? Was it from having some experiences where we've got that variety and got to experience some things and really figure out what that was? Or is it coming from a perhaps a, a naive and, and maybe even socially created construct of what our passion should be? And how do we figure that out? How do we help a client explore what that really looks like? To me, it makes it easier because it takes some of the pedestal away from passion, right? We put passion up on this pedestal that if you know what your passion is and you do what you're passionate about, you're gonna be happy. And research shows that that's not necessarily true either. So we can take passion down off that pedestal, put it right next to all the other things like interests and values and skills. And it's just one of the other items that we wanna think about. And then we're putting them all together to decide what's the best place to go? What's the best thing to explore? And how are we going to help our client move forward? Similarly, the idea of deciding of, uh, should I start my own business or not? You know, there's a lot of push to start our own businesses. That's not for everybody. Why would we be driven to that? What would that look like? How would that fit this construct you have of whatever it might be you're hoping to get from that? I know some people think, oh, I'll start a business and I'll have a work-life balance. I've seen some funny memes around that, right? Oh, I left the nine to five for the six to 10 and less money. Um, it's not the reality of all businesses, of course, but we've got to think about what is the reality of those types of businesses you think you might start and is it going to meet the goals that you really have for whatever it might be? And that's going to empower us to make a better decision to make a decision that's more informed, which is really what we're trying to do is to make that more informed decision and to realize that there are a lot of different pieces that we want to be informed on before we make the decision to really get the best out of the, the decision. And that it's not going to be the end all be all. 
that we are going to have many different opportunities and shifts in our lifetime. And we just want to figure out what does this next step look like? And maybe that step will help me explore what that step after will look like and that that's okay. We're going to take a short break and when we come back and just talk through some stories of how this might look and what career paths might look like as you start to ask yourself these questions. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Are you a business owner, 1099 contractor, part-time employee, or volunteer who needs group health coverage you can actually afford? Do you know a nonprofit who would benefit from unlimited zero-cost funding? How about cost reduction, school safety, mental health wellness, and more? All these and more are fair game on Finding Certainty. If you want more certainty in your own life, you are not alone. Join us each Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Find your own brand of certainty and realize your personal American dream with Finding Certainty, hosted by Patrick Lang. Let's unwrap the certainty experience together. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. tuned in to the career confidant with marie zimanoff if you have a question or comment for marie or her guest today please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you may also send an email to marie at strategicadvantage.com. now back to the career confidant Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking about this idea of how do you decide what you wanna do with your life. And whether you're 20 or 60, we all might be in a position where we're thinking about what do we wanna do with our lives. And this is a question that has such a complex answer. There isn't one answer right? There's many things that we might be interested in. There are many different facets that go into the decision-making and that's okay. We have to be okay with a little bit of ambiguity. The challenge of course, is that we've got to take a next step. So here are a few thoughts as you start to take those steps. One is that action will help you gain clarity. Now action does not, these things don't qualify as action. So researching on the internet does not qualify as action. It's a good thing to do, but it's probably not actually going to help you gain clarity because you will sit there and rationalize or adjust because it's just you. You're there in a vacuum reading or even watching videos. It's probably not going to give you too much clarity. What you want to do is take that research out into the real world and go and talk to people who do the things you think you're interested in doing. Go and interact with people. I don't recommend starting with a job shadow. It's funny. You know, you ask ChatGPT how to do a career change. You'll say, oh, go job shadow. Don't start there, please. You're wasting a lot of your time. You're wasting the time of the person you're shadowing. Start with shorter conversations, 15 to 30 minutes, just to ask some basic questions about what that person does, what they like about it, etc. You will notice that you get a feeling pretty quickly 
as to whether that is something you want to continue going into. Now, I recommend you talk to at least two, if not three people that do something you think you're interested in doing, because that will give you an opportunity to weed out whether it's a personality thing that this doesn't sound that great to you, or if it's an actual part of the job that doesn't sound that great to you. 15 to 30 minutes talking to some people who do what you think you want to do. Now, if you are kind of set on the area of of it, you know, then you might say, okay, I want to go do this. And so you start dabbling in that. When I first graduated from college, um, I went into my first job fair. I was before I graduated actually. And a lot of the companies that were hiring for HR had psychology majors listed on their placard at their table, right? That they were hiring for HR and these were the majors that they were accepting. So I'd go up all excited and I'd say, you know, I wanna be in HR. And they'd say, well, you know, what are you studying? I'd say psychology and they're like, oh, sorry, we're just accepting business majors. And I got that story at a few different tables. So I'm like, oh my goodness, okay, I missed the boat here. So I guess I will, you know, go and get some business training. And if you were listening to that session with Christopher Volk, he kind of shared a similar thing that he graduated, applied to a whole bunch of jobs and didn't get them. Thankfully, I didn't have to do that. I just walked around to the job fair and said, okay, I'm gonna go get a business degree. And he got into a bank with a history degree, which as a young female, I could tell you that probably wouldn't have happened, but you know. Um, so we, we walked a very similar path in that way. What I did is that I kept working at the university. I got to stay on after I graduated and, and work in the job that I was working in the club sports office. Thought I wanted to work on campus anyways, and but I wanted this business background too so that maybe I could get that type of HR job. So as you're doing these things, you're taking action, you're going and talking to people, you get clarity. What is it that doesn't fit, what does fit, what are people really looking for in that type of job? And you're asking those types of questions. I call them career research conversations. Lots of people call them informational interviews. Please don't ever ask someone for an informational interview. Um, it's just weird terminology that most people, even if they've heard it before, it, it's just weird. So can I talk to you about what you do? I'm interested in what you do. I'd love to get some advice in terms of how someone might get into it. That's it, you don't have to use a weird word. So when we're thinking about doing those, we get that clarity. Then of course you might get a job where you can continue clarifying, well, is this the right direction or not? And that's a great purpose for a job. So when we think about that first job, oftentimes we can make it so lofty, right? I wanna save the world. Maybe at that first job or the first job in your new career path, if you're 60, but thinking about changing careers, it's really just about finding a job that will help you get more clarity. Will this be a good fit? Will this industry be a good fit? And if I can find a job where maybe I can have a little bit of variety and learn a little bit about the industry, about the type of jobs, maybe a little bit of a, a different types of jobs. I love that some companies do that for students coming out of their MBA where they get to experience a few different departments in a company. Because this helps you figure out what skills you really like to use and get that further clarity of where you wanna go. Now you're thinking, okay, what is it that I'm putting together? What skills are, am I starting to navigate or to gravitate towards? And if you are looking at certain paths, then you can start to do even more career conversations about how do you get to that path. So I'm looking around my organization, I'm seeing the different things and wondering what is it that would help me get there. So here's where you are and you're thinking about like, you know, you are here, <laughs> you are here in your career. Where do you wanna go next? If you don't know, then use where you are right now to do that exploring. What do you like to do? What skills, what interests, what types of people would you wanna work with? What types of problems would you wanna solve? You can use where you are to do that exploration, to build good relationships, and to perform well at your current job because it will be hard for you to make almost any kind of pivot if you're not doing well in your current job. So use that current job as an opportunity to learn, to get more clarity, to network and to 
to perform to show that you can perform so that people will want to recommend you want to help you learn and grow because you've performed well where, where you are then you start to look short term okay if this might be the next step how do i get there what extra projects could i take on in my job to get there or outside of my job if there's a volunteer or something that would help me get the skills i need to, to get to that next step who do i need to know or more importantly who needs to know me to get to that next step then i can think about okay i'm going to make these relationships i'm going to start learning these skills and i'm going to start building that bridge towards whatever that next step looks like for me and this might be where a lot of people are right now because they're nervous about making a move when the like there's some uncertainty about the economy so start just thinking about what might that next step look like how could i gain the skills i need to do it who needs to know me to get there and i could start building some of those bridges perhaps even in my current role or in a you know tiny bit of outside edu education or volunteer to help me get to that next step then if you've got a long-term goal identified you can start doing that more long-term view what are the steps to get there what might the jobs be along the way to get to that leadership role or whatever it is and then are there courses I need to take, degrees I need to get to be able to get there? And again, who needs to know me to help me get there? So you've always got this kind of gap filling piece, the steps, and then the people. How is it gonna work to, for you to be able to get to where you wanna go? And this is a very forward thinking process that maybe not all of us are used to. We just want to be happy where we are. We just want to do what we want to do. The problem is that today things aren't going to last. How you are doing your job right now is not going to last. Therefore, how happy you are doing that job right now is not going to last. Even if the job stayed the same, you as a person are not. You're evolving. And so to look forward in that evolution rather to have it catch us by surprise that's our goal and for some of us our challenge as we're moving through our career is to keep our eyes open to look up and to figure out how we can be happy in our career today right we want to live in the present but also how we're going to be happy in our career three five years from now and growing and evolving and keeping that just a little bit of forward-looking piece in front of us so that we're not surprised by a layoff so that we're not surprised by the you know this job doesn't exist anymore because of technology or political forces or whatever it might be and we can put those pieces together for ourselves along the way and that's the proactive career management that career confidant started to help you do um, now nearly 10 years ago and we'll be back here again next week, walking through how you can get the skills, network, and attitude that you need to have a durable career. We'll see you right back here again next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.